there. Thank you for connecting with me and subscribing to the Living the Sky Life podcast. I hope that the content of each episode brings you hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways. The Special Needs Parenting Village is large, so you should never feel like you have to travel this journey alone. Please connect with me through my website, Facebook page, or Instagram account, and let's keep this conversation going after each episode airs. If you are enjoying the podcast and are listening on Apple iTunes, please leave a rating and review or share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for tuning in to season two of Living the Sky Life. Today's guest on the podcast is Tanya Banbury. Tanya is mom to Ellie and Willem, ages 11 and 7, and wife to Mark. They live in Buda, Texas. Her career background is in music administration and education, and she owns an early childhood music education business while pursuing a degree to become a certified music therapist. Willem was diagnosed with autism at only 16 months of age. He is now considered a level 3 autistic with pre-verbal apraxia. Big sister Ellie has been around therapists in the home all of her life. In previous years, for Autism Awareness Month, Ellie and Tanya visited classrooms at Ellie's school to to spread understanding about Willem's diagnosis. Since this was not possible in 2020 due to the pandemic, they decided to make a short video to share with her school. It was especially important in 2021 because Willem was in his very first year at a regular public elementary school along with Ellie, who will move on to middle school next year. The video was shared on Tanya's Facebook profile over 10,000 times and shared by radio stations and news outlets. Since Ellie is very shy and struggles with anxiety, this was a huge accomplishment. When she is in high school, Ellie plans to devote her Girl Scout Gold Award toward autism acceptance. I had the opportunity to sit down with not only Tanya, but also Ellie. So please enjoy my conversation with the Van Bree ladies. So welcome back to Living the Sky Life. Today's guest is Tanya Van Bree. I am saying that correctly, right? Yeah. Okay. Tanya Van Bree, um, and hopefully her daughter Ellie will be visiting with us as well in a little bit. Um, I stumbled upon a video that Ellie made, um, and Tanya and I will get into that, but I was so excited to have that forwarded to me so that I could meet you. So welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm Absolutely. completely shocked that so many people are seeing that video. <laughs> well, it's a good thing. It's really, it's such a so smart and creative idea. So I want to talk all about that. But first, I just want to get a little bit of background about your family and your introduction into the autism world <laughs> that you guys yeah, were sure. thrust into at an early age with your son. So tell us yeah. a little bit about your family. Um, okay. So Willem is, my son was with autism um, or autistic son. He is seven. He's almost eight. Um, and Ellie is his big sister and she just turned 11. Um, Willem, back when Willem went to his nine month wellness visit. Um, the doctor was like, wait, he's not sitting up on his own. Um, okay, well I'm going to refer you to, cause he would just like plop right over, you know, he'd kind of sit there and just lean and then crash. So, um, we started seeing, uh, early childhood intervention here, um, in Texas. Um, I, I imagine it's called the same thing everywhere, but yeah, it's first steps for us, but yeah, okay. it's very similar. Yeah. So like the, 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 
public provided free services that um, they do for children under three. And um, so we started seeing them, we, we started seeing them for PT. Um, and then they noticed, okay, well, he can roll on one side, but not on the other side, or he can't quite get there, you know, it just muscles, muscles were struggle for him. And that was the first thing that we really noticed. And also, he used to do this thing, where he would twirl his little fists and he would twirl he'd point his toes and twirl his little ankles a lot and we were like that's kind of odd that ellie didn't do that um but otherwise he was a pretty happy kid um for that age and since we were already in the system um the people from that eci or early childhood intervention they kind of you get i think they saw it and then they raised red flags and brought people in and um I think it took us three months or so to get an actual appointment with a neurologist. And then we were diagnosed at 16 months. Which is young. I mean, very that young. they knew right away. I, I love that they're a little more proactive nowadays because it used yeah. to take us till like age three for someone right. to finally say it. <laughs> right. So. And, and my husband's from the Netherlands and his family was flabbergasted that, you know, we had such an early diagnosis because they're, um, I don't think they're even allowed to diagnose until earlier or sorry, until later, mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, I have opinions about that, but, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it's just a different system. Wow. And so did, was he always, I noticed you, you mentioned to me before that he is pre-verbal apraxia and level three autism at this point, you guys know now that it's more on the severe end. Has yeah. he ever had words or did he regress or did, has he never had words? Um, so I came up with the whole, like, please, like, let's acknowledge apraxia because I feel like so many people are like, oh, it's just autism. It's just right. autism. Right. Um, but, but he, uh, has said words in the past. They're fleeting, you know, he'll say one word and, and ironically last year, um, when we were, you know, in lockdown for so long, he loves to go outside. And he actually said, outside, outside. Aww. Like when we were getting ready to go outside and I'm like, are you kidding me? That's a, that's an amazing two syllable word. That's so complicated, but he said outside and I actually recorded it. Of course it came through song, right? We were singing this song. Um, Signing time is one of the favorite shows. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, so signing time, there's an outside song. And so we'd sing outside, outside. He's like, outside. Um, so those words come and then they, he, he hasn't really said it. He said it for a good, like two weeks back then. And then it kind of went away. He'll say, uh, I have him on video real at a really young age saying ABC, like ABC, ABC. But then I never heard it again. So I can tell he'll try to mimic TV. He'll try to mimic um, other words that we say, like hello or goodbye, or, or when we're singing the alphabet, especially. It really mostly comes from songs and predictable language because of that. Um, so, you know, um, when we're singing ABC, I'll drop out one of the letters to get him to say it. And he will approximate. Um, so for me, it's been really clear that apraxia was really part of it. Um, once I learned what apraxia was. Um, and uh, yeah, he, I know he has the muscles in there. Uh, he I know he has the thoughts rather. I know he has the thoughts in his head. The words are trying to come out, but they just somewhere get muddled up in the middle.
Yeah. That connection is the hardest piece. I mean, we've been going through it for 18 years and it's right. I know now just through the spelling program that we've been doing, um, that my son understands everything age level that's happening, current events, all of that stuff. He has spelled the answers to things I had no idea he understood. So I know it's in there. It's just Mm -hmm. so hard to watch because you just cannot make the mouth do the muscles do what he wants. And I understand that's probably why all the frustration and the banging and the hitting and all of that comes in because he's just so annoyed that he can't communicate with us. He can't do it, but he has those. And exactly, you know, I feel, especially as he gets older, I think it's important to make that, that distinction to people who work with him, because I'm like, he, he understands, he gets it. And now that he's like seven, you know, you can assume that yes, maybe intellectual disabilities, maybe there are, I don't know, but the bottom line is his receptive language has always been really great. I can understand. I know that he understands him when I'm like casually like, okay, come here. Okay. We're leaving or, okay, we're going to go to this place. So don't freak out. (laughs) You know, I know that, that, um, I know that he understands me and I know that he understands what's going on around him. Um, now the things that he chooses to react to or to, show us that he knows that's different. And so, um, I don't know. I feel like he, he has so much more to offer than people give him credit for constantly. And that's kind of, and and I'm sure with your, with your child, you've already gone through all this, but at his age right now, I feel like he's so underestimated where luckily I have, he has a really, really awesome OT that he's been with for ages and she will she's kind of had this mission to, to present him with new things so that he doesn't get bored and say like, okay, we're going to start at the top and introduce, um, addition, even if, even though in school, they're still like, let's identify this square. Can you match the square? And I'm like, he knows what a square is. You yeah. know, sometimes they get more frustrated because they're bored. They're like, Come yeah. on. oh, he's so bored. He's so <laughs> yeah. bored. And so I'm like, you know, so, so my ROT is like, okay, let's work on addition. I'm just going to show him these worksheets. We're going to see. And sure enough, he can do it. He, mm-hmm. she, she showed me just whatever Thursday she walked up to me with, he handed me his worksheet and it had some little addition activities and she got him to write it in. Although, you know, I'm sure she did a lot of help helping him to write the letters or write the numbers rather, but, um, he identified them with his tablet. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, that's one of the things that's taken me a long time because, you know, we just have to get the right therapist, but I've learned to presume confidence always. And I wished I had known that when he was younger, because I'm sure I said things like, well, he can't do that in front of him. And I didn't mean anything by it, but it was probably so insulting to him for me to say that. Mm but Mm -hmm. to presume confidence and to give them age appropriate stuff and meet them where they are, like challenge them with hard stuff. And then if they're not able to do that, then kind of back it down a little bit, but never underestimate them. Like you said, and you know, don't, don't give them like, you know, juvenile things to do when their age appropriate peers are doing such a harder thing. At least let them try. Totally. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, you, you asked me, like what that's the main tip I would give to people mm-hmm. is just, I know it's such a tagline, like presume competence. Um, but it, it's, it's real. Like it's so, 
I want to just shout it from the rooftops to everybody. I want to make t-shirts with it because <laughs> do it. He, he just, you know, I, I can see him rolling his eyes at people when they're like treating him like a, I mean, I do still treat him like a baby. Don't get me it's wrong. It's hard not to as a mama, but yeah, <laughs> he's I mean, my you know, baby. I'm sure you've experienced too, where like people will come up because he doesn't speak. It's, it's not funny. I say it's funny, but because it's just so annoying to me, but I know people don't mean anything by it and they don't know any better, but they'll come up to my son. If he's like in his stroller, cause he's tired or whatever. Um, they'll say, hi, Skylar. Like, and they talk mm. to him like you would a three-year-old or a two-year-old yeah. that's just learning to talk and you talk really slow and, or they're loud. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I hate that when they're loud, <laughs> when they're loud and in his face. Um, there was a nurse one time that was always like that. And she was so loud. And I don't know why people think even just typical developing kids, like, why would yeah. they like that? <laughs> um, hi. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we have so much work to do to teach, don't we? <laughs> well, I um, you mentioned it a little bit ago, but I noticed he um uses an AAC device. Does he use like Proloquo yeah. or a certain program? Yeah, yeah. Um, he uses Proloquo to go. Um, he started that. Oof. So they um, actually, when he was in the preschool program through our schools, they gave him um a a device to use like a, an iPad with protocol on it. And he started it back then. Um, prior to that, when he was in that early childhood program, he would do, um, like a, uh, go talk, which is the like four button device with the, you could slide in the buttons and like record your voice. And, um, and so it was very low tech, but it worked in getting him under to understand that concept of pushing the button and it'll say the word and that's for yes, or this is for no or whatever. Um, but it has taken him a really long time to get to where he is. And he still doesn't use it 100% in a functional way. He prefers to use it for play, like um, when we're singing songs. Um, I don't know if you've seen it on the video, but um, like usually he'll get um, kind of fixated on a particular song that he wants to do for a good several months and we'll create a page with the verses of those songs so he can go to oh right now we're gonna sing the wheels on the bus and we're gonna sing about um the dogs on the bus and then we'll bark and you know we kind of expand it do a lot of variations on that song from there and that's really how he learns the most i think that's how he prefers to communicate and how he prefers to learn just using these like variations on songs he's familiar with that's neat. Well, I mean, even if there's one area like play or food, like select selecting food items or something, it's always so nice to find one way to at least know what they want or need versus yeah. like holding up foods or guessing all the time of, you know, so at least if he can at age seven, that's pretty good that he can at least tackle one topic and, you know, I'm yeah. sure he can work into the others. Yeah. I mean, he, he does use it, it for school, you know, yeah. if it's, but I mean, like he'll approach me with the, with the, uh music part of it but if it's for school and it's work you know they have to hold it in front of him and he's like you know whatever number or whatever color they're asking for and he doesn't always do it correctly because again he might be bored he might be you know and visually i don't know if you've um if you've had issues with with vision with skylar um mm -hmm. also but willem has um 
clearly he has depth perception challenges. He getting his eyes to track and doing all that focusing stuff on the tablet has also been something that he's had to overcome. Right. So it's easier for me to hold up two pieces of paper and say, you pick which one you want. Mm -hmm. Um, And he can swat at it versus me showing him an array of, you know, how many pictures, how many buttons are on this page for him to say, Oh, I want the green one. Yeah. We had um, significant muscle issues and um, motor delay. He was hypotonic when he was a baby. And so that's why we did the state programs just to try to get his muscles up to speed. But Mm -hmm. it still carries on to this day with his eyes and his pointing. So we, I got Prolocol for him last year. We've tried stuff and we just kind of retry it Mm because it doesn't work at one point and then maybe it'll work a few years from then. So um, his issue, I think more is, pointing, like having the strength to, to isolate his finger and point because some of those things on Proloquo, if, it, if you're not careful, they swipe past. So he yeah. could swipe past instead of tapping on it to talk, mm-hmm. whatever it is that he wants. And then focusing his, his vision and his eyes on a specific picture and then pointing at it. It's the same thing with our yeah. spelling and choosing the letters on the boards. He knows what letter he wants and he'll get close or close. get in between two letters. Yeah. We'll do like one above or one below. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, I and, mean, it's constant OT for life. I think these kids need. Yes. <laughs> Willem, Willem likes a little help, but he likes a little touch. Mm-hmm. I feel like I don't, you know, Willem is one of those, um, what's it called? Hyposensitive, where he really wants lots of touch. No, oh, that's good. Um, he wants lots that. of touch and lots of squeeze. And so mm-hmm. with prompting, it's become really vital. Um, and like this OT kind of, you know, really understands that. So she'll, she'll just give him a little light touch on the back of his mm-hmm. uh, wrist or, you know, when he's holding a marker, which we've just started being able to do in a, <laughs> an acceptable way. Like he, before he would just be like throwing it or whatever, you know, yes. he hated having to hold something for that long. Um, but holding a marker, she would just hold the tip of the back of it and get him like a Ouija board kind of. Yeah. Um, and to, so he to, feels like he has support, but he doesn't really need it. Right. Like he doesn't really have it. Right. Gotcha. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So she'll just give him a little touch. I'm actually really fascinated lately by um, the, oh, I wish I had it in the front of my mind so I could mention it. But um, I don't know if you've seen the movie um, or the documentary that just came out about the book. Um, I jump. The reason I jump. Yeah. Yes. Yep, and you I know, read the book. The, I haven't seen the movie. Oh, okay. So they just have this documentary that came out. It was supposed to come out last year in all the film mm-hmm. festivals and it, it didn't because of COVID. So um, they're available. It's available on film festivals. Like you can stream it online. I think I paid 12 bucks and I did it twice because I wanted everybody to see it. It's actually, um, it's perfect for um, families or people who associate with, especially like level three autistic people because it shows it's not just the book like it shows these um kids that are young adults that are in different parts of the world that experience that and um and it's a beautiful vision into kind of a cinematic experience with the lights and the colors and the sounds and um they do a really good job of kind of um making it visible to us what they mm-hmm. see the the positive stuff and and some of the negative stuff that we all 
struggle with. And it it's, I loved it. I loved it. But in, in there, they had a kid or sorry, a young man who was doing, I don't know if you've seen it, it and I wish I remembered the name of the, the, um, the work that they're doing, but it's like, they're holding a, an alphabetical foam board. That's and, what we have. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's oh yeah. Spelling to communicate. Yeah. The spelling yep. to communicate. Exactly. Uh -huh. And that is highlighted in this, in this film. Oh, is it? Yeah. Yeah. I need to see it. Cause the book is uh, obviously a little different cause it just is written yeah. by, you know, Ido or, um, I forget mm -hmm. his name, um, mm -hmm. himself, but yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I didn't know that. I'm going to have yeah. to check it out. It's, and that's where I saw it for the first time. And so I was like, oh, so I really want to inquire about that more. Um, they don't have any therapists who provide that here, but I'm sure, are you getting direct therapy for that or are you? Well, yeah, we don't, we have the same problem. I mean, okay. there are few of them around the country, uh, okay. sadly, um, and ours that, um, through my book, uh, someone who endorsed my book at, told us about it. Um, because our therapist lives in Tennessee and we're in Indiana and, um, he lives in Tennessee, the, the man that endorsed my book. And he said, have you guys heard of this? And we're like, no. So we reached out to her and she came up for the weekend and taught it to us and showed us everything. And I mean, just the first session we were blown away. Cause like I said, I thought Skylar was maybe at a age six or seven cognitive level, just because he's never displayed text or sign language or anything that he understands right. that to communicate. And I was just, oh my gosh, I was just blown away. So then now How what we do he, is we sorry. do Monday Zoom sessions. So I'm pretty much doing his therapy and she zooms in and watches me and corrects me. And she also talks to Skylar and then we do it here at home um, on the weekends and when we can during the week. And then she just keeps checking in and then she'll occasionally come for another weekend. She, she did one recently where she comes up here and stays for three days and works with him multiple times, multiple sessions each day. Um, and he, of course, sweet. spells better for her than me because mom therapists never really work. <laughs> right. They don't like it when you're a dual role. No, so, no, not at all. Uh, but it's, neat. it's really neat. Um, when did you can, start doing that? We started last August. So it's oh, so been about nine long. months. Yeah, not very long. I mean, he's wow. answering questions to she she gives us um she was a guest on my podcast. Actually, I have to give you that episode so you can hear it. Yeah. But um, she gives us like reading, um, just, just like basically reading about a topic. So we did one about the election. We did one about um, um, habits for like New Year's resolutions around the new year time. And she asked him for a synonym. She's like, you know, based on the reading, it's just reading comprehension questions. And she'll say, mm -hmm. Skylar, spell the synonym for whatever. And she, and she gives him a, a word and he spelled it. And I'm like, okay, A, you know the word and you know what's, what synonym syn means. I'm like, I'm just <laughs> flabbergasted right now. So um, it's just, it's just that. And you don't give them any tips. You don't say anything other than you hold up the right board. Yeah. Cause you don't start with all 26 letters on one board to start with. Cause there's a, there's infinite possibilities sure. and it's, it's a lot for their eyes and whatever. Yeah. So you have a board that has, I think ours has A through D on the top line and then um, E through I. And then another yeah. board has, the, you know, a two more rows and then a third board has two more rows. So okay. I just hold up the board that he needs to start the letter, but he has to pick, he has to know how to spell it. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's cool. 
And I think that would be a good pairing for Willem because he's fascinated by letters. We mm. recently discovered that he knows how to spell. He, you know, he, yeah. but still at school, they're trying to match a square to a square. And I'm like, he can yeah. read guys. He can read yeah. and, um, and he can add and, and he's, you know, first grader. That's what first graders can do. Yeah. So it's it's really cool. I, I'd love to find out more about that. Right now we're also doing um, prompt in speech therapy, which we just started um, because I just found a speech therapist that provides that and is you know trained in that. Um, so because I feel like, like I said, the touch has so <laughs> much to do with his abilities. And I feel like if they give him a little prompt in his mouth. Is that what it is? I'm not familiar. Yeah, so prompt is like, um, so it's speech therapy, but um, there's a different touch for each sound that you have to make. Oh, okay. So for mm, you might, you know, put your, they might put your their finger up on your lips to give you that mm closure. Um, so you feel it, the sound before you, you try it. to emulate it? Okay. Yeah, um, you can feel it on the the therapist, or they they feel it on the therapist, and then the therapist will do it to the person um, receiving the therapy, and then they can kind of understand this. If you've ever seen, um, I think I I'm not hundred percent sure, but I'm pretty sure Cooper from um, Finding Cooper's voice. Finding Cooper's voice. Yeah. I think yep. he does it because he I can see him doing like each sound individually. I'm pretty uh -huh. sure they do prompt. Um, and, and I think I've seen a couple other like bloggers who use that, um, with their children okay. and it's, it's so neat. So I wanted to try it mm -hmm. <laughs> and we kind of had this change. We had to change our speech therapist because of insurance. And so I thought, well, I'm going to find exactly what I need. Cause it's not like he can just use any other speech therapist out yeah. there. You know, I, I'm getting, I'm getting a little more selective now that I've been doing this for over five years. Yeah. I mean, good for you. That's, that's what our kids need. I mean, they need us to advocate for them and to figure mm -hmm. it out because they can't ask us for what they need because they don't know. Right. So that's awesome. Um, well, just talking a little bit about schooling, um, mm -hmm. this might be a good time to, to bring Ellie in if, if she wants to join us. Oh, sure. I want to talk a little bit about her and what an incredible sister she is, you know, yeah, <laughs> all sure. of those lovely things. We practiced a little bit. So hold on. Let me look at her real quick. Hold sure. On. I actually, I, I'm going to, just take a, a second because I yeah no you're fine room. okay I'll pause it so Ellie is joining us now age 11 um Ellie I I'm so glad you um agreed to sit down and talk to me for a minute um I obviously found your family and your mom through the video that you made for your elementary school so your mom was telling me that this is something that she did a little bit of prior to COVID going to the elementary school to your class and um, talking to the kids about your brother. And then you guys decided to make a video this year because of COVID. So um, tell me a little bit about that process and why you wanted to do that. Um, I really wanted to do it just so people understand what autism kind of is, because mm -hmm. some people don't really understand and think of him as not a typical person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so we want to spread kindness and that's so make sweet. Sure that um, he and other kids that have autism or special needs get treated the same way as everybody else gets treated. That's so sweet. Did you um? Did the whole school see this? The whole elementary school, or just your brother's class and your class? 
Um, I think the whole elementary school, yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's so smart. Yeah. I've talked to several parents who've written um, children's books about their children with autism and their, their big message is to try to, to educate kids when they're little to make sure that they understand that like your brother, they're just like everybody else and they, they want friends and they want to be included in things. Um, so it's so smart that you guys did that at your school. So what was some of the feedback that you got? Did you hear from your friends and other people? Yeah, a lot of my teachers were really happy to hear it. And when they saw it, um, when they saw me, they like went up and said, like when they first saw me, they were like, I loved your video, like <laughs> stuff like that. And um, it's crazy because I'm not going to be able to see them again because I'm going into middle school now. Right. But at least you educated everyone about your brother. And, and so Willem will have a, a good experience in elementary school because you you did that with all the kids that are still there. So I think that's so important. I heard that it's been viewed over 10,000 times. And it's been on radios and news outlets and all of that. You're pretty famous. <laughs> One yeah. of the things I, I loved about your video are the five tips that you had on how to be a good friend to someone with autism. Do you remember some of those you can share with my listeners? Um. Don't remember some. Of I it. think one was being kind. Yeah, one was being kind. Um, um, I remember the one about not being a bully. Yeah, like but that. then also, if you notice somebody being a bully, then what? Um, then, um, if you notice somebody being a bully to a kid with autism or another special need, um you can speak up and tell them to stop mm -hmm. and tell them that about maybe what they um, like are doing and mm -hmm. things like that. When that was we one of my were, favorites. When we were in, um, I want to say second grade, when we were preparing for this interview, she and I were kind of reminiscing about our previous chats with the school with her classes and um we remembered a story about one time in the playground on the playground you came across that kind of situation right and it happened after we had our talk to the classes Aww. but i think we talked to just your second grade class yeah at i that think time. we just talked to one of the classes because mm -hmm. we we weren't on the announcements mm -hmm. um but um one of these uh one of the kids in my class um, her name is Libby and she had autism. Um, well, she has it. Yeah, she has it. Um, <laughs> she okay. um, and, um, um, she was playing on the monkey bars and kindergartners came up to her and were like, can we have a turn? And she kept doing it. Um, and they kind of made like, they kind of made fun of her um, because she wasn't like getting off mm -hmm. the monkey bars and she kept doing them. So a group of my friends um, came up and said like, 
um, she has autism, like, you don't have to be mean to her. She's just trying to play. She doesn't understand, maybe, what they're saying. Yeah. Aw, that was so nice of your friends to educate them. So your mom tells me that you are a pretty uh, fierce Girl Scout, that you're <laughs> really doing well with that. And um, my my niece actually did her gold award. Um, she's graduated from college now. She's a lot older than you, but she did her gold um, award project on bullying, actually anti-bullying. Um, so does your, do you want to focus your project on autism awareness? Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking for my silver or gold award. Mm-hmm. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for talking to me. And um, I, I just, I love your video and I'm, I'm going to put a link to it on, on my podcast so people can go and watch it that haven't seen it yet. Um, it's just, so, it's so moving. And I, I have such great respect for siblings who do everything they can to support their brothers and sisters on the spectrum and make sure that the world treats them kindly. So thank you for that. Welcome. <laughs> and she has a, Jesus, she has a, a girl, a little girl too, who's now a big girl. Yes. She is a sister to her son with special needs too. Yeah, my daughter's 16. She has turned 16 yesterday as we're recording this. It was yesterday <laughs> and um, her brother is 18. So my kids are older, but <laughs> <laughs> yep, she still protects him and takes care of him too. So we need you guys. <laughs> well, thank you so much. You want to go back to eating your cake? It's so nice for Ellie to join us. So, you know, when we're talking about school, um, so has your experience been a really good one with him integrated? I assume he's integrated in um, traditional elementary and. Well, he's in a traditional elementary school. Um, This was his first year actually. Um, And we wanted to try it because, (laughs) um, his, uh, because Ellie was going to be there. She's a fifth grader and he would be a first grader. So mm-hmm. this was the only time that they could be in the same school together and we could take them, drop them off together and everything. Um, also it gave me a little peace of mind knowing that she was in there right. somewhere in the building. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, we're just starting out and what I would say, his classroom is, a not it's a self-contained classroom so he is not integrated into the typical um uh, mainstream classes yet but um the way it works in our district anyway is it's really up to me um during our ieps we decide you know how much time do we want him to spend in specials at art or pe or whatever how how much time do we want him to spend at the library with the other group and he had he is assigned to a regular classroom we just um kind of decide year by year or or month by month if we feel comfortable with that this year he didn't wear a mask at school he he will eat that mask if i put it in on his face i never wore one (laughs) so so luckily our district was understanding about that and i was like well considering he's not wearing a mask and he's this is his first time in this building he's terrified of new spaces and especially children honestly kids kind of freak him out so um he he was allowed to just 
I kind of used that map, not used it as an excuse, but it definitely helped me get him a little more VIP treatment. So we came in through a special entrance. We, I picked him up at the end of the day through the front office earlier than the normal dismissal time. Um, he was, you know, um, I didn't take him to special, um, to the specials, or I didn't let him go to the specials. I didn't let him go to the, the mainstream classrooms partly because I'm terrified that he's going to be terrified and it's going to be too, too hard, but also just the, the mask thing. Um, I, I think that the school did a good job with that. Um, and listening to, I appreciate that they listened to me and didn't push. Cause I think they also, I'm sure that the classroom teacher wants to have a little bit of a break and send these <laughs> kids to their specials or whatever they need to do. But, um, but at the same time, you know, just adjusting to school has been tough. Um, he actually has suffered a lot of regression from being in school. Um, I learned from being a lot. in school. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to say from being in school necessarily, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's it because his other, you know, he has in-home ABA that's mm -hmm. been pretty constant. He has his OT and speech; those have been pretty constant and um, nothing traumatic has happened in our home. So I really think that, you know, going to school, it's had a severe impact on him. I don't, and, and it's so hard because I don't know what's happening mm -hmm. behind closed doors. And I'm not saying that they're abusing him. I don't, I don't, I, I, I do trust in my heart that the people that are there, you know, they, they love him and they want him to succeed because, you know, otherwise, why would they do that? Why would they be there helping? Because um, I don't, I know they don't make much money, but I think that there is a clear difference between people who want to teach in a traditional way, like I'm the teacher, you're the student, you have to do what I say um, right now, <laughs> versus someone who leads with kindness and leads with respect. And just like we were saying earlier, presuming um, competence. I think that's a struggle that I'm kind of having to push on right now. Um, and and I didn't really, you know, we don't have many options. I, I live in, I live just outside of Austin. There are some schools, there are several compared to other places, schools that are specifically um, designed to serve the autism community but they cost 50 grand a year. Um, I don't have that, <laughs> you know? Um, I don't know, I mean. Sounds like he's uh, getting a lot at home though. I mean, he, he is. Maybe that's part of it too, his environment's changed. So he's yes. all of a sudden in a place where he has to go and they're coming, you know, to him or whatever, instead of him being in his own home where it's safe yeah. and comfortable and the therapist come to him. So, well, he you know. did, he did do clinic. So he did mm -hmm. um, PPCD, which is like the preschool program here when he was three and four, and that was only three hours a day. And then he went and they, they wanted to send him straight into kinder and he was nonverbal, didn't mm -hmm. use his tablet yet in a reliable way. He was four and a half and he would have entered in right as he turned five. And I'm like, no way, Jose, like, there's no way I'm going to try that. So we did private or private um, ABA in a clinic setting for two years. And if I could, my mama heart just wants to keep him 
in that private ABA clinic where he has one-on-one all day long Mm -hmm. for his whole life. Like that's what I want for him. But I just had to try this school setting because I know that ABA is not going to be, be able to be there in a clinic setting for him forever. You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't really understand why not, but that's a whole. <laughs> yeah. Well, as hard as it is, it's so, it, it is important that we integrate our kids into, yes. oh, with, totally. around peers because they can't get that social, totally, you know, knowledge and interaction without, you know, yes. it's hard. I mean, I feel yes. like I've been a helicopter mom over Skylar his whole life, just cause I, not cause I underestimate him so much as I just don't think anyone's going to care for him throughout the day. Like I can, yeah. Yeah. That they may yeah. not, you know, cater to his every, <laughs> which is the problem. Yes. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh... <laughs> totally. So, I mean, I was, I'm proud of him that, you know, he willingly goes to school. We'll, we'll get off the, we'll get out of the car and we, we take a little walk. We take a little ways to get to the door just so that we can have a little bit of physical <laughs> movement before we get to the door and he can start um, having had that blood flow. But he is, happy to walk up to the door he's happy to go in i've never seen him like cry or panic when we're getting there um so that's a good sign and i feel like you know actually my father um the thing that kind of pushed me to do it or gave me the bravery to do it is that my father um uh he has a a younger brother who's he, he passed away but he um also has special needs um he grew up you know, in the fifties and sixties. Yeah. And, and so I don't even know what his formal diagnosis was, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was similar to down syndrome. I think it's probably some kind of chromosomal, um, or, or genetic thing, but I honestly, I have no idea what his actual diagnosis is. That said, I grew up around him and observing my grandmother who has a third grade education or, you know, she's passed away too, but, um, just kind of keeping him in a bubble yeah. and observing that my whole life, I was resentful towards her thinking, why didn't she give him that freedom? Why didn't she, you know, give him an education? I don't understand. And so that's kind of been the, <laughs> this voice in the back of my head, my pushing me this whole time, you know? Um, and, and it, I didn't understand her until I became, was in her shoes, right? And now I realize like, oh, that's why. Because can you imagine the system back then growing that's up one. with a child, right? <laughs> and I'm sure, You're on your own. you know, and I think at one point the state did uh, require her to send him to school. And my dad said that he would drive him as an adult, you drive him around town and he saw his school and he was very proud of himself saying, hey, that's my school, that's my school. And he would point out the window and, you know, my dad told me that. And I thought, oh my gosh, like I had no idea that he would feel pride in going to school, even if it's the school that maybe didn't provide him with the services, probably didn't provide (laughs) him with the services that he needed to be happy or to be fulfilled. Yeah. But he had pride in that he was able to have that just like everybody else. And so that really motivated me to just say, you know what? I'm just going to try. We'll just try this year and see. And, and I know, you know, like I said, we don't have many options. Um, and I think by working through those IEPs and just taking the time to learn and talk, talk to my community of other parents, um, 
I'm kind of getting the, I'm getting the gist that it's kind of our job, unfortunately, <laughs> to mold the the system to yeah. work for our child. Yeah, I mean that's that's the biggest piece is the IEPs. You know, parents have to be comfortable speaking up, and if they if the education department presents a plan and you're like, no, that's not that's not mm -hmm. going to work, then they have to be willing to listen to you and you know, kind of, you know, best. And when it comes to that and so many yeah. parents, unfortunately are just either intimidated or they don't feel mm -hmm. it's their place to speak over the teachers and the administration to ask yeah. for what their child needs, but yeah. And I mean, they exhausting. have to provide it. They have it's to. Exhaust they yeah. And, and, you know, you know, we've had, like I, I mentioned earlier, we had a se severe regression this year. He was almost completely potty trained when we, um, started the school year and I expected a little bit of regression. I expected some accidents here and there. Now he's fully in a pull-up again. And I'm like, I should have helped this along the way, but I kind of trusted that everything was going okay. Now school just ended yesterday or yeah, no, two days ago. And I want to reach out to them and say, okay, now what was really happening? why is he so afraid to go to the bath? He won't even go near our bathroom. Um, but Maybe it's, it's like exhausting. I don't want to flush toilets or something. I mean, it could be something <laughs> seriously. Like, I mean, my daughter, I just remember her being deathly afraid of those when oh, we yeah. somewhere when she was little and she's like, uh, ah. yeah. but I mean, it yeah. could be something so small that, you know, it's, it's disappointing. I know COVID has changed everything for at least right. the last year and a half, but it would have been so nice if you could have, um, just kind of step-by-step step walked through kind of what his day would entail. And like, if there's only certain times for bathroom breaks where they take all the kids, whether yeah. they have to go or not, or whatever at that age, um, yeah. you know, maybe he's then confused, like, well, I don't have to go, but they said, I have to go now. So mm -hmm. then I can't ask to go when I need Later. to. And so I just have an accident or whatever, or yeah. it could be a toilet flushing thing or a the height of the toilet it could be yeah. something so small that could yes. easily be fixed i mean he and he is very finicky about he only wants this potty seat he only wants you know um yeah he he has really specific <laughs> likes and dislikes when it comes to those kinds of routines and you're right i i i found sometime you know talking about this presuming competency i found some sometime last year when we were home um he would he kind of stopped wanting me to just take him whenever there was a transition. That was kind of my, um, my go-to and we'd go towards the bathroom and he's like, ah, and he'd get really mad at me. So I started asking him with his proloquo, Hey, do you need to go? Yes or no? Like simple as that. You don't need to request it, but just tell me yes or no. Cause it would be a good time because what would you do with a typical kid? That's a yeah. kindergartner, first grader. You ask them, you remind them. Right. So I would do that. And then he started being much easier going um, about going to the bathroom. Um, so I think maybe in school, they're taking him every 30 minutes and he's like, I'm past this guys. <laughs> I'm like, over this. <laughs> I can go when I need to go. But at the same time, there is a, there was a, a post that I saw somebody, um, a, an adult um, autistic, uh, advocate, like she's an advocate, but she, she self-advocate posted. Um, and it was something about, she was like, stop making the potty such a big deal. Um, some of us can use the bathroom 
and can feel all of those things. But some of us still struggle as adults with continence and that's fine, but it's just has to be accepted. Like stop making it such a big deal. And I was like, wow, like mind blown. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that person who I've never met. I really, really <laughs> appreciate it. I really appreciate it because, you know, yeah. I never thought about it from that perspective and I don't want to be, you know, presuming his incompetence in that, but I, you know, he, he knows what he's been potty training since he was three. He knows the concept. Yeah. I mean, but it definitely just, sounds like in your case that it's more of a, um, a, a matter of will versus skill. Like there's something else going on that's he, he's either doing it for yeah, right a form now. of attention. There's like something going on because he can yeah. do it. You know, I right. never, I never want to, um, you know, exploit Skylar or anything like that, but I've been very open, um, on all episodes that he, um, he's never been toilet trained. He at 18, he's still in pull-ups. We've never been able to get rid of them. Um, mm -hmm. it's, we've never even, we've attempted it several times, but it's just not resonating with him. And I used to think it yeah. was because he, he didn't understand or whatever, but then he was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis three years ago. And I just know he's in significant pain anytime he goes to the bathroom. And so oh. he's not really sure if it's going to hurt or if he's hungry, he doesn't know what that belly pain and that, you know, whatever pain means. So mm -hmm. years ago, we just were like, you know what, if he never gets out of pull-ups, I don't care. I would much rather he communicate. Like that is a battle. I'm not worth, it's not worth fighting anymore exactly. with the pull-ups, you know, exactly. The, and that's why finally, thing. like he was having four accidents a day. And I was like, you know what? we're almost at the end of the school year. We're just going to have to reset. There's something going on. I just need to trust him that right now it's not a good time. Yeah. And we're just yeah. going to stick with pull-ups because like, what a hassle to fight that battle at the end of the school year when I don't even know what's happening in that classroom. So we know that it worked at home. We're going to kind of reset with, you know, work Our with baby. his um, BCBA and come up mm -hmm. with a new plan and make it an enjoyable. And he, he never stood up to pee before. So let's maybe introduce Just that in the right way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe we can, you know, that would be great. We go on a lot of hikes and I'm sure he needs to be when we're on our hikes. Cause sometimes we'll be out there for hours and, um, that would make it really convenient <laughs> in the great outdoors. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to, um, make sure I, I get a chance to, to mention about your, um, my munchkin music company. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to ask you, I mean, I know you have a history, a life history of music and you're a beautiful singer. Um, and I, I just kind of wondered, we were talking before if, if the, my munchkin music was therapy and you said it was more just, you know, early childhood music, mm -hmm. have you learned with all of your musical talents, um, and with Willem too, and other clients that you have, is there something that parents can do if they see that their kids really connect with music? Um, and mm -hmm. all forms of music that we can do to really enhance that um, and make that a way to communicate or, or kind of utilize that as an opportunity to, to work with our kids. Yes, definitely. So the program that I taught um, is from a company called Music Together, which is based out of um, Princeton, New Jersey. And they are there are teachers that train in that curriculum or with that program and, and we're certified. And then we teach 
all over the country and all over the world. And some of them are online and right now because of the pandemic and some of them, I think they're starting to do some more classes outdoors um, so that they can be in person. But, um, you know, I was teaching that when Ellie was just a baby. So it was, Willem wasn't even born. Actually, he was pregnant. I remember, be, or he was in my belly. I remember being super pregnant and jumping around and teaching this class. <laughs> and it was pretty funny, I'm sure. But, um, but you know, once I start, once he got his diagnosis and I was still teaching and, and I went to speech and I went to OT and I saw all these things that had so much parallel to what I was doing in the classes. Um, basically the classes all they do is train parents like you think oh what it's so silly why would you take a toddler to a music class other than just to have fun but really what the class does is train parents because the caregivers are there in the, in the room whether it's a nanny or a grandma or a mom or dad they're there in the room with the kid interacting as part of the class and so we're kind of showing the parent we're not prompting a child unless they need that prompting but we're not physically prompting a child to show them how to click sticks or how to shake a maraca it's more um modeling and um peer modeling of all ages because the ages are birth through five for this group class um and and really a parent model for that so at that very young age i think modeling as a parent is so vital for anything really for kindness for tone of voice for but yes for music um in order to infuse and and using the music not only just because music's fun but using it as a catalyst to get to those other things just like all those you know kids shows that we've all seen like sesame street or whatever you know using it to in in this case i really learned like speech we sing a song with um, that I just sang to Willem last. I I resurrected this music together song for Willem last night, and we you know not just ABCs, but um, with that mmm that I mentioned before, that prompt. Um, it's trying to say his mmm sound. I was saying me 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 and pointing to me and doing that. And I know he understands. I know he's heard that song a million times. That's one of the like most commonly. Um, use songs in the classes with the kids and uh and then we go you you and it rounds your mouth and everything it, it it there's so many little lessons tucked into every song um for speech for motor you know getting uh, their bodies moving using a scarf as an extension so that you don't feel like oh i have to move my arm this way but you think, oh, I have to move the scarf over here. And to get there, just maybe coincidentally, your arm is going to do the thing that you wanted to get it to do. Um, so uh, kind of from that, I think modeling, just dancing with your child. If you, even if you feel like you're the worst musician ever, <laughs> you know, there's plenty of- Nobody hears it. They don't care. <laughs> yeah, Nobody cares. And you know, <laughs> I- I, I know you, you you gave me such nice compliments, but I'm super self-conscious about my voice. I'm super self-conscious about like my dance moves, sure. But um, that's why I love teaching this class because who's judging me, these toddlers? I mean, really, <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> they just appreciate that judging I'm playing with them, yeah. you know? And they, they, they love that I'm using a sweet voice with them and mm -hmm. I'm, you know, giving them attention and, and we're dancing together and having fun. Um, getting exercise doing there mm -hmm. like there's so many wonderful um 
like side effects to using music with your kid. So um, Ellie, you... sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say Ellie, um, you know, she grew up listening to music together because I started, the reason I got into it was because I, I took her to a class when she was about um, 10 months old and um, we got really into it. So she's heard all of the recordings, all of the thing for years and years and years. She still listens to the Lullabies album before I put her to bed um, to help her sleep. And yeah. it's it's amazing what yeah. uh, what power music has over our, our brains. Um, and for kids as complex as Willem or Skylar, um, you know, there's so much science behind how, what music does to your brain as mm -hmm. a listener, as an active listener or as a, as a performer, um, as a participant. So I'm really interested in learning more about that. And so that's why I decided to start, uh, to trying to be served, try to be certified as a music, music therapist. Mm -hmm. So, um, during the pandemic, my classes slowly diminished and, you know, I'm not surprised, but I kind of reevaluated since I've been teaching so long, I said, what do I, kind of want to do next. These kids are going to be in school for a little bit of time. You know, Ellie's going to be in middle school. I have what, six years of that and, you know, Willem forever, but it, I have these hours in the middle of my day where I'm kind of, um, stressing out about all things I don't need to stress about <laughs> like yeah. here in my house and what, you know, because I don't have a nine to five job, um, since I had to drive him mm -hmm. around so much. So I kind of reevaluated and said, well, maybe music therapy is where I want to go next. Mm -hmm. So luckily I found a pro program actually in Indiana. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to be going nice. out to Indiana in Sweet. Look a me few up. months. Yeah, I will. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a program in um, uh, Terre Haute. Yeah, that's further than me, but still <laughs> on your way through. We can yeah, connect. sure. Connect. Yeah, yeah, I just think, I mean, I'm sure you would agree since, um, you know, you sing to your kids all the time, but I just can never, I can say that we never underestimate the power of music. And mm -hmm. it's just funny when we have the radio on and a Skyler likes old school hip hop, it's hilarious. Yes. And he also likes I love like it. Journey and like the Eagles playing that and stuff. And he loves Grateful Dead. He has a very eclectic <laughs> music style, but anytime like a hip hop song comes on, like an old school one, um, we sing about everything and we've found that that's when we get the biggest smiles and the most laughter yes. out of him. And he's rocking in the car. He's got an impeccable beat. Like he can stay with the beat. Great. But, nice. um, we sing about food and going to the bathroom and taking a bath and yeah. just the schedule and whatever. And he squeals and laughs. And I mean, mm -hmm. so we'll do it. I don't care how stupid we look, but oh. you know, whatever that he yeah. loves it. And I know music resonates with him. Music therapy didn't go as well just because he has a hard time just controlling his body. So she, yeah. she was great and she'd play the guitar and sing to him, but he would just be pacing the room and throwing anything he'd get his hands on. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'm sure he was retaining the music part, yeah. but he can't settle himself enough to just like sit and listen or, yeah. you know, she's like, here, you strum my guitar. And he, I'm like, oh God, please <laughs> don't, don't let him do that. He's going to ruin it. <laughs> no, <laughs> like, I, let him I get that. Observer. 
I get that. And it's funny when we taught the classes, what's one of the things that we had to learn was that, you know, some of these kids are just going to be running around in circles. Some of these mm -hmm. kids are going to be over there picking their nose, looking at something else, but they're still retaining it. And then yeah. when you go home and they're in their comfortable environment around their comfort people, they're going to be, you know, if you turn on that music, oh, maybe they'll remember it and mm -hmm. maybe they'll remember it in the car and maybe they'll, you know, then they'll show you their participation in their own style separately. So um, I'm really thankful that I had that education through the music together training that now going into uh, to this world as music as a music therapist. Um, I've kind of already start, you know, I, I think you mentioned before, like the um, having special needs kids in my classes that just kind of naturally gravitate there. So I've had um, a variety of needs and I also teach private piano and using all that stuff that I've learned therapy and working with Willem and, and in the classes, um, I'm able to teach, I have a, I have a student who has, I would say level two, at least, um, probably level two autism. I teach her piano privately and she does an excellent job. I don't, I definitely teach her differently than I would a typical student. Um, I also have a, a child who is level one and I, he's one of my best students. Um, but I think because I, and I've not had any formal training in how to teach a child with special needs. Piano. Mom, so, but I'm a mom. <laughs> I mean, you, you but, know, you just, know. yeah, I know how to communicate to them in yeah. their own way. I know how to get them to kind of come to me and be motivated. Um, you know, I used a lot of ABA principles, but, um, to kind of get them to organize from one thing to the next, but not, you know, not in a scary way. You know, I know the difference between good ABA and bad ABA. Um, so I feel really comfortable working with that community too. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm excited that I have that ability. I don't, I probably don't give myself enough credit. Honestly, no, I'm sure you don't. <laughs> because, because I don't know many other piano teachers who have that ability, but, um, you know, just in my own little community, it's, it's pretty neat to be able to kind of show off these things that I've learned through Willem, you know, through those experiences, um, with him. They're, and they're always excited. our best teachers. They really are. And I know totally. that there's value in every little, um, meltdown and every little experience oh. that we have. There's a learning yeah. opportunity in all of them. Sometimes I don't always learn it and I'm still learning, but oh, you yeah. know, they're the best teachers. So well, I'm just so excited that we connected and um, I, I look forward to following Ellie's journey as she grows up and all the amazing things she's going to do with autism awareness and Girl Scouts and all of that. And I'd love to see videos of your continued music therapy and stuff with Willem. So thank you so much for taking the time to be a guest for me today. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me. It it feels good to have a little bit of um, mom time, you know, and um, I I love I love being able to share about about him. I had no idea that it would get the response that it has, and so it's really you have amazing kids. You're a good mama. <laughs> Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks. We'll take care and enjoy the rest of your day. Okay. You too. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. 
Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share living the skylight with others. Thanks again for listening.